Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the NFL Week 13 episode of Stacking the Box. Myself, Ian McMillan, joined once again by Sterling Holmes at Homestretch KC. Uh, with Thanksgiving now officially behind us, Sterling, I think uh, it is safe to say we are in the final stretch of the NFL season. The playoff race is heating up, uh, which is going to be our main topic of the day today. But also we've got to talk about some other things, including uh, Frank Wright gone uh, from the Panthers. Um and we are obviously always going to talk about our biggest winners and losers from this past week and preview uh, week 13 of the NFL season. Sterling, how are you doing? I'm good. Could you say we're entering the home stretch of uh-huh. the NFL season? Yeah, there we go. Uh-huh. No, I'm doing well, man. I, I crushed so much pumpkin pie. I mean, just an absurd amount of pumpkin pie. Um Football is still going on, and Mizzou won 10 games this year, so all all is well in the Holmes household. Perfect. I love it. Um, before we dive into everything here, uh, Stack in the Box is partnering with Sleeper Daily Fantasy to give new users a first deposit match up to $100. Make sure to use the code FANSIDED2, so FAN, F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D, and then the number 2, when signing up to receive your uh, deposit match, please remember to always get game responsibly. Scan the QR code on the screen right up there in the top left-hand corner. Scan that um, to see if you qualify. There you go. How about that? Um, Are you leaving they- the mustache, by the way? I, I, I got to ask because you, mm. you've grown into it now, right? Those first three weeks for you, I'm not going to lie, Ian. It was brutal. It was bad. Uh, now you got a little Kevin James mall cop rocking, and I'm I I personally think if you got a segue, I'd be even a bigger fan of that stash. Yeah, some yeah I'm I've considered it. Some people uh, said that it looked like Farva from uh, Cooper Troopers. <laughs> uh, that's another comparison that I've got. Um, that's a good one, man. The one I mean, my mom said I look like Austin Matthews, the Toronto Maple Leafs player, which is maybe the comparison. I I mean I I like that a lot better than Farva. Um, but regardless, I do actually kind of like the mustache the mustache. Now it was grown in. It took a while to get to this stage, but I do kind of like it. If I do shave it, I haven't decided yet. I, I got to get clearance from my girlfriend if I can keep it. But if I do shave it, it's going to be sad. See, I mean, this is stacking the stash. That's what stacking the show the is now. Yeah. yeah, we got, we got two strong stashes on right now. Uh, yeah. And I will say, um, I am growing this mustache for November, raising money for men's health. Uh, we are in the, obviously the last three days here that you can donate to that. Uh, I think I'm like 120 or $30 short of my, uh, goal to raise a thousand dollars this month. So, uh, if you can toss five bucks for that, anyone who's watching this, uh, you can find the link over on my Twitter page. Um, X page, I guess. Uh, biggest winners and losers from week 12 uh, is an exciting week. A uh, lot of football, obviously, with all 16 or all 32 uh, teams playing 16 games, three games on Thanksgiving and then Black Friday and then Sunday and Monday as well. 
Uh, Sterling, uh, who is your big? Let's start with winners. Who's your biggest winner from this past week? The Broncos. And that almost yep. pains me to say. It's weird, man. I mean, they start off so bad. They were the laughing stock of the NFL. I even was joking about you traded draft picks just to get your ass kicked for Sean Payton, right? I'm like, I'm sitting here going, well, this is the same old Broncos we have seen ever since Peyton Manning has left. It's not gotten any better. And now, congratulations, you have a head coach who is making a buffoon of himself. But look around. They won five straight games. And you look at the schedule. It's not just five straight games versus the Jets and the Giants, right? They beaten the Chiefs. They beaten the Bills. Then they beat the Browns, who are a what seven win team? Is that what, six win seven win team? Seven I'm win. Sorry, yep. Yeah. I mean, they've beaten some good teams. The defense has buckled down ever since they gave up that seventy spot. They got embarrassed, and then they bounced back and said, "We are better than this." And by the way, Russell Wilson's been quietly really good this year. He's not the same Russell Wilson as old, but guess what? I think he's finally accepted that. He's finally realized he's not the same guy he once was. He's a little smarter. He's taking care of the ball. He is still using his legs to an extent, and they've gotten Javante Williams going. Cortland Sutton once or twice a game makes one of the most absurd circus catches you will ever see. The Broncos look – again, I don't think they were a Super Bowl contender, but, but man, they've won five straight games against, again, teams with Super Bowl aspirations – they're they might sneak into the playoffs i i'm i'm becoming a big fan of the broncos right now yeah what i'll say about the broncos i mean obviously they they did beat a couple big teams here the past few weeks i don't want to take that away from them and if you're a fan of the broncos that's the only thing that you should be worried about is that they're winning games i would say i don't think they're have the way they're winning these games is sustainable because really how they're winning is turnovers and yes they're forcing turnovers and not turning the ball over themselves and over their last three games specifically they have an average turnover margin of plus 2.7, uh, which is insane. Um, so, yeah, Russell Wilson, you're right, not the Ru- Ru- Russell Wilson of old. Um, but I actually think you got to give a lot of p- credit to Sean Payton, who we were all kind of down on early in the season. But over the past, like, six, seven games, he's kind of morphed this team into being as good as I think this roster can be by using the players to their strengths and Russell Wilson is just kind of becoming an extension of the running game in some, in some sense, a lot of, you know, short dump off passes, but he's not turning the ball over, which is massive. And if you can protect the football and then get your defense to get a few takeaways per game, uh, you're going to increase your, your chances of winning by quite a bit. uh, And it's worked out for them. Now, do I think that's a sustainable way to win games for an entire season into the playoffs? No, uh, but they got to take it one week at a time. And right now they're winning those games. I do want to say very quickly, because I do think you're right. I don't think the 2.7 per game turnover margin is, is sustainable. But again, I do think if they, they have a decent chance of being a team that week in, week out does win the turnover margin. Because yep. again, they are very conservative offensively, but their defense is a very opportunistic defense, right? They have a lot of guys who can make plays. That's kind of what they're built around. So the same sense, I go, yeah, 2.7 per game turnover margin victory is is unsustainable but one and again a couple games with two i think is because that's how this team is currently built so if you're a broncos fan i do think you should be pretty excited right now yeah run the ball get takeaways on defense don't turn the ball over on offense um it's uh it's a smart way to coach this team uh you're not asking your players to do too much and do something they can't do um so yeah uh i would agree broncos are certainly a winner uh, my winner is actually the Steelers. Um, their offense, I think, looked the best they've looked all season, arguably over the past couple of seasons, now that Matt Canada was finally fired. Uh, they did only score 16 points, but they averaged, I think it was 6.2 yards per play. Whatever it was, it was the eighth most yards per play uh, of all NFL teams this past week. So 
Um, yeah, maybe they, they still got to find ways to score points. 16 points a game is not going to get it done, but they're, they just looked way better. They passed the eye test and they did uh, rack up a ton of yards. They just need to turn those yards into points. So the Steelers, a team I was very low on for the uh, majority of the season, all of a sudden I think they're looking the best they've looked. Um, I think they are going to make the playoffs. Are they going to win a playoff game? I don't know. That might be a little bit of a stretch based on how good the division winners are uh, in the AFC this year. But uh, hats off to the Steelers. Uh, now that Matt Cannon is finally gone, they started throwing the ball to the middle of the field. Uh, they're getting uh, uh, Pat Fryermuth in the mix in the middle of the field, which is something we weren't seeing uh, en- enough of with Matt Cannon calling the plays. So uh, Steelers look like a winner from this past week. Yeah, and Pat Frymuth is back. This was his second game back. He had a great mm-hmm. game. Um, they've progressively gotten Jalen Warren more involved as the season's gone on. Now it's a little funny. Jalen Warren may have had his most inefficient game, but Najee Harris was actually pretty efficient in this one. And again, we know their defense is solid. They're a little bit like the Broncos, right? They're they're a team that if they take care of the football, they run. You know, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren again, the more explosive back, Jalen Warren. And then with that defense, you try and be opportunistic. They got a good chance because, again, they do have a very good head coach in Mike Tomlin. My biggest loser this week, Chargers fans, man. Chargers mm. fans, I actually feel for you, all 12 of you, I, you know how they have the, the 12th man in Seattle? That's actually the amount of fans that Chargers fans have. But all 12 of you, I do feel for you because the AFC was so deep this year, right? So talented, so good. But you finally didn't have all of the expectations put on your shoulders, and you can just go out and play ball. But what happened? The AFC, for the most part, I think has been a little underwhelming. Again, Steelers are seven and four. Browns are seven and four. I get all that stuff, but they're not great teams, right? Chargers should be better than those teams. Chargers are four and seven. Herbert, as good as he is, at some point, doesn't the onus fall on him at least a little bit? Brandon Staley, how the hell does he still have a job? Now, maybe he gets canned as we do this show. Who knows? He's already answering questions from the media as if he's gone, right? He's calling them out taking shots at them. Quentin Johnson dropped a game-winning touchdown two weeks ago, and then this week they scored 10 points. I mean, they're just the most Charger team of all the Chargers teams. They can change coaches. They can change quarterbacks. They can change cities. They still find ways to Charger. Chargers are the Falcons of the AFC. Um, I actually know two Chargers fans. I know there's not many out there. I I, I know two. You know Canadian one sixth. Chargers. You know one sixth of the Chargers fans. I know you. it's crazy, and they're both Canadian. Crazy. There might be more Chargers fans in Canada than there are in Los Angeles right now. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Disaster season for the Chargers. A team that was supposed to contend for a Super Bowl, they're basically eliminated from the playoffs. They're like plus seven fifty or something to make the playoffs at this point. They have basically have to win out. Not good. Um. I have a team though that that's even in a worse spot right now, and that's the Carolina Panthers. Uh, so they're my biggest losers from this past week. They did fire their coach. <laughs> I feel like we do them every week, so I had to stop. I felt yeah, bad. <laughs> it's especially bad now, though. Um, Frank Reich fired by the Panthers. Um, their quarterback does not look good. Their offense is atrocious. Uh, they don't have their first round pick. I know we we keep bringing them up as the biggest loser, but they continue to dig their hole. Uh, deeper and deeper. So, what was Frank Reich supposed to do? First off, poor Frank Reich. He's gotten canned twice in less than two years from bad situations, too. 
that was my dog dropping a bone right on a, a metal thing. So that's going to be great. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that's ideal. Um, no, but I'm just sitting here going, "What was Frank Reich supposed to do? They drafted a bad quarterback. They gave him no weapons. This team is atrocious. And Frank Reich in 11 games was supposed to make it all better. It's it's asinine. It's absurd. It makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, their offense was bad though. <laughs> Who does he have? Jonathan Mingo? <laughs> Miles Sanders, the worst contract potentially that was given out this past offseason. There were some bad ones. I mean, I mean, they I had don't... an easy schedule and they, they're, they're one in 10 and they, they, they had one of the easier schedules in the NFL. You got to squeak out a few more wins. A good that coach is... will elite will squeak out a few more wins. Mike Tallman in that situation probably wins five games. No, at least. You, think, you think that team is 500 right now with Mike Tomlin. You are out of your gourd, dude. <laughs> We've seen some bad Steelers teams. We've seen Mike Tomlin drag some bad Steelers teams to a winning record. There is no George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth. There is no Deontay Johnson. There's no Jalen Ward. There's no Najee Harris. There's no offensive line. And the defense is even close. If you want to say Kenny Pickett for Bryce Young, sure, I'll entertain it. But even Kenny Pickett so far has been better than Bryce Young. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a Frank Wright guy. I've never really been. He's, by all reports, a very nice guy, but I, I don't think he's a good coach. Um, so yeah, Panthers are my biggest loser. We're going to talk about that more a little, a little bit later. Um, but let's talk about, uh, our top story here. Uh, and that's a little bit of an update here in the playoff race. Cause, uh, it is heating up. It kind of looked like, especially in the AFC there for a little bit, uh, and actually the NFC too, that we kind of knew what teams are going to be in the playoffs. Not the case anymore. Uh, especially in the NFC, because, uh, we, we obviously know the Eagles are going to be in the Niners going to be in lines going to be in Cowboys are going to be in the first wildcard spot. Most likely. Um, but the other two wildcard spots, it looked like it was going to be the Seahawks and the Vikings. No questions asked. Both those teams have lost two straight games and they've looked bad in those losses. Seahawks and Vikings are now collapsing. Um, Vikings now only half a game up on the Packers, Rams and Saints. And the Seahawks are one game up on those teams. Um, can either of them hold on to that spot? And not only that, I will say one thing about the Seahawks here that we got to note. Uh, the Seahawks are actually now underdogs to make the playoffs because their final stretch of, game, of games are tough. They got the Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles in their next three games. Yeah, it's 0-3. Right, you'd think. It's 0-3. I mean, if you win one, I think you're you're pretty happy you weathered the storm there. Um, I've not been high on Seattle all season long, and now they they finally have reached the hard part of their schedule. The Vikings are interesting. They're heading into their bye, right? And the hype around Josh Dobbs has died down. And I know that you are thrilled because uh, you hate good underdog fun stories. You're just a buzzkill. Um, you know, I get it. You you root for uh, the favorites. I understand that. Um, but no, but, no one's loved Brock Purdy more than me. That's a fact. And he is the underdog of underdogs. Uh, but the four interceptions, and I get what one of them wasn't his fault, that throw that popped out of uh, Addison's hands. I, I get that. But he's come down to earth. And where do they go? Do they go to Nick Mullins, who's now back off of IR, right? Nick Nick Mullins could come back. The uh, Hall, Darren Hall, the BYU rookie quarterback, he is now cleared after his concussion. And they talked about it, right? They, they talked about O'Connell saying, and you know, they're gonna they're gonna look at every single possibility for who that quarterback is gonna be. I just don't know if they have enough to get it done. I will say, whenever Justin Jefferson comes back, that will be a huge boost, right? 
That more. that right there is gonna be a massive boost. TJ Hawkinson's been great, but uh, you gotta have more than just one guy, uh, especially when you don't have a QB that t- that typically moves the needle. I'd probably still say the Vikings, but I will say. Green Bay has been pretty salty, man. The issue with Green Bay is they're playing the Chiefs this upcoming week. If you fall to five and seven, um, can you dig yourself up out of I that? I think hole? the Packers win that game. Or I think the Packers beat the Chiefs. That's just a bad take, man. I mean, that that's just a bad. After the Chiefs finally got right, that's your take. Yeah, against the Raiders. That's your take. Okay. Yeah. I'm not saying they will. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Um. I, I would still have my money put on the Vikings. Gino is going to be writing a lot, lots of letters this offseason. Because the Seahawks might be actually like a good quarterback away from mm-hmm. being like a legit contender in the NFC. Gino there. Smith has fallen off. You're just talking about how Joshua Dobbs has fallen off, so has Gino Smith. Arguably the reason why both those teams have kind of collapsed here is because bad quarterback play. They are Drew Locke away from success, but they won't give Drew Locke a chance, I know. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yes sterling the the packers do play the chiefs this weekend I, even if they lose that that game though i will like their their final five games are all very very winnable giants panthers buccaneers bears vikings might be a little bit of a tough one that might actually they, that might be vikings, the game that vikings might be the packers game. play new year's eve night that might be the game that decides a wild card spot yeah um and then i mean what do you think of the Rams? Because the Rams are at five and six two, and the Rams feel like one week they look like they could be a, like a wild card team, and then the next week they look like one of the worst teams in the NFL. Now they do have Matt Stafford back, which obviously uh, is a big step forward for them. I think they're lost without him, but I mean the Rams five and six, half a game back from the Vikings. Yeah, they're they're difficult to judge, man. I, again, you mentioned they're they're so up and down. They face Cleveland, Baltimore at Baltimore, Ooh. Washington with oh they got Niners in week. 18 to Niners. I mean, I don't think the Saints are good, but the Saints are at least a decent team, right? I mean, they're at least competitive, right? I I, I don't think it's there for the Rams. I, I just don't. Um, you know, Puka Nakua also was a great storyline. He's slowed down. Obviously, that coincides with Cooper Cup coming back, but Coop's, uh, Cooper Cup's been banged up a lot already, even when he has been playing. Um you know, Kyron Williams has been a fun storyline at running back, right? He's, yep. he's been the electric. And again, you, you're right. But they also at times, much more minor extent here. I feel like the Cowboys. Like when they win, they blow teams out. They blow teams out when they win. And it makes you think that they're a really good team. But that just helps a point differential. One win is still one win. You don't get extra points for winning by 20. They're, they're a very confusing team to me, but I have on the outside looking in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, between the Saints and the Falcons, it could be an interesting case for that other wild card spot too. Because the, the the advantage both the Saints and the Falcons have down the final stretch is they have the easy schedules in the NFL. Um, every single the Falcons, I think, are going to be favored in every game the rest of the season, except for the last week against the Saints in New Orleans. It's probably going to be a pick'em. So uh, that is one advantage those two teams have. And uh, if the Seahawks and Vikings continue to collapse. And speaking of the Falcons. First place in the NFC South at a whopping five and six. I will not apologize for being in first place in the NFC South. They are three and zero in the division. True, and that's <laughs> at the end of the day to win your division. If you if you just beat wait, beat your divisional opponents, you have a very good chance of winning the division. They, they are, are three and zero and six against every 
other team. Yep. But at the end of the day, um, the NFC South is, yes, very weak, but the Falcons beat the other teams. So I, I will say, too, I'd love to get your thoughts as you're the Falcons guy. Uh, they're finally getting Bijan Robinson more involved. I mean, they finally have gotten Bijan involved, and he was electric in this past game. Uh, a couple touchdowns, yep. uh, I know, because I went against him in, in fantasy, and I was watching that game because I was hoping they would throttle Bijan Robinson. But that was his best game of his NFL career so far. Uh, Desmond Ritter, give him credit, he made one or two really nice throws. Again, he's not consistently good, but he made a a, a nice couple of throws. They still don't use Kyle Pitts. I, I, I will never understand that. But um, – Again, when you play in such a bad division, all you have to do is be average, and the Falcons were average. Yeah, Matthew in the chat saying um, Falcons stink. That's that's mean. It's rude, but also probably true. Um, but I also agree with him. Free Kyle Pitts. Um, <clears throat> Falcons did one thing this week uh, after their bye week, which I loved and which I think led them to the win, and that's they just said, "Let's stop throwing the ball. Let's stop." trying to run jet sweeps to our backup tight end, John o. Smith. Let's just run the ball. Uh, they ran the ball 66.13% of plays against the Saints. That is almost 20% higher than their season average of running the ball on 48.55% of plays. So they finally just said, screw it. Let's run the ball. Let's give Bijan Robinson the ball as many times as possible. And guess what? Wow, it worked. Who would have thought that giving Bijan Robinson the ball would have worked? This weekend... Um, just when they need it most, the Falcons are getting some reinforcements. And that's uh, that that reinforcement is coming in the form of me because uh, they are here in, uh, well, not New York, New Jersey. I will be there at the Falcons game. I bought tickets right by the tunnel that they come out of. Uh, wow. Second row, right by the tunnel they come out of. I, as they run out of the tunnel and go back in, I'll be giving them words of encouragement. Um, and that is exactly what this Falcons team needs. So I'll be there at MetLife this weekend. It might be the worst game of all time. The total for the game is 34, and I don't think it touched that total. I think it might be a final score of 9-3, to three. Um, but that's okay. A win's a win. We just need to get a win in, uh, in East Rutherford, and I will be there cheering on my boys. Mm. Make sure whenever you see Kyle Pitts in, in the team in general, Arthur Smith, just yell, you have Kyle Pitts, use him, because I have Dalton Kincaid on a bye, which means Kyle Pitts – uh, he's starting for your boy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to need him to uh, step up for me. And also, can we just, I, I'm, I'm going to keep bringing this up. And you made a good point. You know, it's not New York. It's, it's New Jersey. And yet they're called the New York Jets, which does not even have the same sort of um, roll off the tongue-ness, which of course does not roll off the tongue at all, as the New Jersey Jets. It needs to be the New Jersey Jets. The Jersey Jets just just flows. It's like mm. jazz. New York Jets, come on. First off, it's a lie. Yeah, I don't hate that take. I think both teams originally, when they first uh, started, uh, had stadiums. Because I think the Jets had a stadium in Queens and the Giants. But yeah, now that they're in Jersey, just changing both to Jersey. It's the Brooklyn Nets now, right? It's, it's, not, it's still not really? the New Jersey Nets. Fact. Yeah. Fact. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree, especially the Jets. Uh, the Jersey Jets sounds uh sounds great. Um, yeah, I will say about Kyle Pitts. I also need him to start getting the ball because I splurge on an autographed Kyle Pitts helmet, and if he keeps stinking, this helmet's going to be worthless. So I need him to be good. <laughs> it's going to be great when he's in a Chiefs uniform in just a couple of years. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's he might be gone, and that, that helmet's going to be worthless. Um, 
It's if I buy any, <laughs> if I buy any memorabilia from any player, like they start to stink and or they get traded. Almost immediately. It's going to be the opposite of Tony Gonzalez, right? How Tony yes. finished his career with the Falcons is going to be Kyle Pitts. He he started his his career with the Falcons, and then all of a sudden he he went to Kansas City. But instead of the opposite, where Tony G was kind of a shell of himself, uh, Kyle Pitts started off as a shell of himself and then blossomed into a uh, superstar. That that's what I'm foreseeing here. I will say uh, one thing, not enough people are talking about Kyle Pitts because, yeah, obviously we got to get him the ball. But also, I think we should just change him to wide receiver because he's useless as a tight end. He can't block, yeah. Um, which completely makes him kind of worthless as a tight end because there's no threat. Like defenses aren't worried about his blocking abilities whatsoever. They don't need to account for it. He's probably the worst blocker on the team. So just change him to wide receiver and put him play minute slot because he's get someone else in a tight end to block. Uh, only one game separates the number five seed Steelers and the number nine seed Broncos. How do you see this shaking out? Yeah, very interesting. The AFC wildcard race is interesting too. Uh, the Browns, I think, I think the Browns fall off because their offense is absolutely atrocious with Deshaun Watson. Just absolutely atrocious. Um, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, PJ Walker, I don't care who starts at quarterback. Their offense is the worst in the NFL when one of those guys starts. They're at seven and four, though. But like you just said, I mean, Texans outside the playoff spot looking in at six and five. Broncos at six and five. Bills still alive at six and six. Uh, very tight race down the stretch. I think the final wildcard team, the AFC, won't have as good of a record uh, as we initially thought. Like, even if I think if, if the Bills finish uh, nine and eight, they have, I think, a solid chance of getting into that last spot. So, uh, yeah, the AFC wildcard race is a tight. Actually, the entire AFC. Yeah. is a tight one because then we can also talk about the number one seat which is right now nine and three ravens but then chiefs eight and three jaguars eight and three dolphins eight and three so three games separates first place ravens and i guess three and a half games separates first place ravens and 10 seed bills yeah i mean the afc is is gonna go right down to the wire i mean this is just a again maybe not quite as Many wins, as we all predicted, as we head into this season. But again, as far as competitiveness, it, it sure is there. Uh, Matthew asked any updates on Miles Garrett. Uh, latest update is that it's not as serious as they thought it could have been, uh, and he's listed day to day. So he might even be back this weekend um, because it originally looked like his uh, shoulder injury might have been like a serious long term thing. But MRI showed nothing major wrong. So he's listed as day to day for the Browns, which is obviously massive. For the Browns, um, because if they do stay in a playoff spot, it is going to be because of their defense. And Miles Garrett is obviously, you know, a massive role on that defense. Um, who do you think ends up as a number one seed? Because right now, as you mentioned, I mean, it's, it's down to the wire. Ravens first at nine and three, but they've yet to have their bye. Um, obviously, that, that's the reason why they're nine and three. Chiefs eight and three. Jags, Dolphins all eight and three. Chiefs right now, uh, they have the tiebreak over Miami and Jacksonville based on the head-to-head sweep. Uh, the Chiefs do have a lot of um, tiebreakers going in their favor. How do you see this breaking down when it's all said and done? Uh, let me take a quick peek at the Chiefs' uh, final schedule here. I think it's the Chiefs looking at their schedule. Uh, I think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC, but the Ravens have some tough games down the stretch. Jaguars, 49ers, Dolphins, Steelers, and Rams. I mean, and none of their final games are a gimme. Uh, the Chiefs, tough one against the Bills, but outside that, you got the Packers, Patriots, Bengals, Raiders, and Chargers. So, uh, And this kind of reminds me back when it was uh, – when. Um, 
Tom Brady was the quarterback for the Patriots, where things were always tight in terms of who got the bye uh, down the final stretch. But then it seemed like every single year, Tom Brady and the Patriots would find a way uh, to get the bye. Now, back then, there were two spots uh, two. for a bye week in the playoffs. Now there's only one, so it's a little bit more difficult. But at the end of the day, I think it's probably just going to be Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs snake. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, th- that also was a huge difference. The two buys, and not only that, you had the worst division in football um, for so long. I don't know if you heard Alex Smith talk about it after Tom Brady, right? What was Tom Brady doing? Was Tom Brady discrediting his last Super Bowl win? Like, that was the most old man. Like, he just retired. He's like, yeah, back in my day, we had better football players. You're like, you just retired. Yeah. That last Super Bowl not matter? Like, it was a silly comment from Tom. And then Alex Smith just went on a roll, just roasting everyone else there on the uh, on the show, especially Rex Ryan, who was sitting there in utter disbelief that Alex Smith just uh, blasted him with napalm. Yeah. It, was, it was the most well-spoken, just calm, nice dude. Alex Smith is basically just like, yeah, I, that was the worst division in football. There was no one else. And then you're seeing Rex Ryan, who's like, Damn, I was there for so long. <laughs> yeah, on two different teams. Uh, poor Rex Ryan. I actually like Rex Ryan, but yeah, that was yeah tough one. You, you know how they say uh, football is a game of inches. Yep. Do you, Do you think Rex Ryan says football is a game of feet? That's, but um, ching. Nice. <laughs> uh, I interviewed Rex Ryan. When was it? In the, in the off season, at some point. Very nice guy. Very good interview. But the, he like he was sponsored by like. Dr. Schultz, like he just leans into it. Yeah, you have to. You have to lean yeah, into that. Of course. You know, of course. You know, we got instead of saying we got to get, we got to get ten yards here. We got to get ten yard chunk. He's like, we got to get thirty feet here, guys. We got to get in thirty feet chunks. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but about Tom Brady's comments, uh, I, I'm shocked they came that soon. Usually, it's about five years after an athlete retires where they start saying that uh, everything was better. You know, back when they played. Um, but I think there is something to be said that offenses, well, I mean, just look at how much unders are hitting, not as many points are being scored, but I don't think that's as a result of poor play. Um, that is a result of the way defense is playing where they do not let offenses take the top off, uh, the defenses anymore. They play, uh, very much, a, a like a cover three type of defense. They make you throw everything down low, and as a result, um, you don't get as many explosive plays. And because you don't get as many explosive plays, you don't get as many points. But I don't think I'm surprised that his take on it uh, was that football is not as good as it used to be. <laughs> I, I would have thought that he would have had a more nuanced take than that because it's clear um, if you pay attention at all, it's more of the style of defense that's being played right now compared to what it used to be able to play when you could just throw 80 yard bombs to Randy Moss. Yeah, uh, every third play. Yeah, who would have thought that he would be a little annoying post uh, post yeah. playing days? Who would, who would have thought that? Yeah. All right, uh, Frank Reich, as we talked about, canned by the Panthers. Uh, we talked about how the Steelers' offense looked better with Matt Canada gone, and then Jalen Hurts now MVP favorite. Is that who you would vote for? No. Uh, we, t- I mean, we did talk about this a bit last week. I right now, I think I would still vote for Brock Purdy. Uh, I don't think anyone's made a fantastic case. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is, I don't think, but if we're talking about Jalen Hurts specifically, like I, has he done enough? I know obviously the Eagles have the best record uh, in the NFL this season, but I mean, are, are his numbers that much better than they were last year? I mean, he's thrown 10 interceptions. 
Yeah. I don't can you have an MVP that throws double digit interceptions and like with still plenty of football left to be played? Um you know you know what's hilarious? You look back even like 10, 15 years ago, look at the interception numbers. Yeah, we've talked then, about that before. Then look at them now. way higher. I mean, it's absurd. Like dudes would have 20 interceptions, 16 interceptions, and that was normal. <laughs> right. But his, like Jalen Hurts' QBR is down five points from where it was last year. Last year it was 68.3. This year it's 63.5. Like, yeah, he's doing enough to win games for the Eagles, but this is not the best version of Jalen Hurts we've seen. But yet he's the betting favorite to win MVP. So maybe I don't know if that's just a sign of people are overvaluing him because they have the best record in the NFL or it's a sign of there's not, there hasn't really been a player that's truly deserving of winning MVP. So you got to give it to someone. Uh, I think that's... Um more or less it where it's become a quarterback award. He's the quarterback on the team with the best record. And that's what they're going with. I think he's been good, but again, he's yeah. not been anything great. Like uh, the reason why I'm getting so upset by this is because we're, we're only talking about quarterbacks. I'm not saying you, cause you and I have talked about how it should not just be quarterbacks. Right. Like look at Tyreek Hill. Once again, he's put up some absurd numbers. He is 1,324 yards and 10 touchdowns. And there's still how many games left to be played for them? Miami is what? Eight and three. Mm-hmm. still six games left mm-hmm. i mean it's like over a third of the season still left for him he's probably gonna get to 2k like how is that not worthy of mvp when there's no quarterback running away with it like i know brock purdy's been good but does he have mvp numbers i mean maybe he does i, mean, I i'm not trying to discredit brock brock purdy but like tyree kill i think helps to a tug of aloha I think everyone else on the on the Niners, I know Hunter's going to get going to get mad at me. I think helps Brock Purdy, I, and maybe I'm being a little unfair using that as a hindrance. But I think a most valuable player who's moving the needle the most. I think Tyreek Hill moves the needle the most. I agree. Uh, I think it, truly the MVP should be either Tyreek Hill or Christian McCaffrey, and they're not yes. even really in the discussion. And it's it's frankly it's unbecoming, especially in a season where no quarterback is going out and taking it. Like if there's a quarterback who's truly having it like a great season, then okay. But like an, if there's ever a season where like a non-quarterback should be winning it, it's this season, especially with the kinds of performances Chris McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill are having, but yet not even in the discussion. It's yeah. literally turned into a quarterback award. And I'm so annoyed by this because then it's going to just going to go to, okay, yeah, well, they won offensive player of the year. Right. But it, frankly, it should be one or the other. It should be CMC or Tyreek wins MVP, and the other one should win uh, Offensive Player of the Year. And I get it, Hunter saying that's how teams work. When the players help each other out. I, I agree. I agree. But yeah, how many players could go in and do what Tyreek Hill's doing? Zero. No mm-hmm. one has done it. How many players could go in and do what Brock Purdy's doing? We've talked with this argument wow. time and time again. I'm not going to get into it. You don't it need to again. go back to that argument. I'm not, my, my point is I think CMC moves the needle more for the Niners this season while I think Tyreek Hill has moved the needle more. That's the way I'm going with it. I do like Hunter's point. Uh, he said Brock can take it with a big game and win this weekend. I think uh, obviously this is a massive game, one of the biggest games of the season this year when the 49ers uh, take on the Eagles. I think if one quarterback has a really good performance and the other one has a not good performance, that could decide the MVP right there. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um. All right, let's start talking uh, week thirteen. Uh, oh, actually, really quick, who's the next coach to be fired? Is it I, Brandon Staley or Ron Rivera? Is basically one of the, one or the other. I, I think it has to be Staley, man. I yeah. think it's Staley because I I've said it for four weeks now. Like he's he's fighting for his job and he keeps losing. Right. Ron Rivera is like, yeah, he probably should be gone, 
but also I could see them waiting until after this season with uh, with caning him. Yeah, I think Ron Rivera is definitely gone at the end of the season, but Brandon Staley has a better chance of being fired midseason. So, yeah, and I think the betting odds reflect that. I think Staley is like minus 200 favorite. Uh, Cherie asks, is, is the Broncos winning streak a fluke? Uh, we touched on a little bit uh, earlier in the show. I don't think it's necessarily a fluke, um, but I don't think they're playing as well as a lot of people think they are. A massive reason for uh, their win streak is, like we mentioned, their turnover margin plus 2.7 over their last three games, an average turnover margin. Um, and then there was a discussion of our turnovers luck, especially forcing turno- turnovers on defense, or is that a skill? I don't know. There, there's an argument to be had there. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily a fluke because they are taking care of the ball. They are um, uh, just kind of doing what they can to get the job done. Is it sustainable? I don't think so. But I don't necessarily think it's a fluke. Ditto. Perfect. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk uh, week 13 games, Thursday night football. Cowboys are a massive favorite in this one, but I did want to talk about this game for one reason. But Sterling, I want to get your thoughts first. This is Seahawks against the Cowboys. Seahawks got to pull off a big upset here to avoid losing their third straight game and stop the bleeding here and kind of um, further sur- uh, cement their spot in the playoffs. Do you think the Seahawks have a chance or do the Cowboys roll? Yeah, I think the Cowboys roll, man. They, the, the Cowboys have rolled against average to below average teams. It's the good teams that give them struggle, which again, that's every team in the NFL, right? When you play good teams, you expect to have better games. Um, I, I don't know if nine and a half is too much, right? That, that's a lot of points for a team that's mm-hmm. over 500, right, with the Seahawks. But again, when the Cowboys are on and they've been on recently, they're a well-oiled machine. I mean, there's so many weapons they have, not just obviously CD Lamb, who's been incredible, but when they get Brandon Cooks involved, it feels like even at his age, he always seemed like the fastest dude on the field. He seemed like he's always open. And Dak Prescott has played, which is weird for me to say, at an MVP level. Like, I'm surprised we have not talked about Dak more, at least being in the discussion, because he's been really, really good. I want everyone to be aware of one key thing about this Dallas Cowboys team, and it's why I'm actually taking the Seahawks to cover the spread uh, at nine, nine and a half. And that is just how easy the Cowboys schedule has been this season. They do have the easiest schedule up to this point. Now they enter a stretch of games. Seahawks, sure. Okay. They deserve to be favorites against the Seahawks. But even then, I mean, they're not a terrible team. They got Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, and Lions in their next five games. So far this season, up to this point, they have played a total of two teams who currently have a winning record. That's it. Two. And not even 500. Every other team outside those two games, those games came against teams who currently have a losing record. And in those two games against teams with winning records, they lost both of them. Got their butts kicked by the 49ers. Uh, and then lost to the Eagles. Now, to be fair, I actually thought they played the Eagles. I thought they deserved to win that game. But the point still stands. They have played up to this point two teams with a re- winning record, and they lost both of those games. And then they lost a game to the Arizona Cardinals, who are one of the worst teams in the NFL. So that is just something to keep in mind. Yes, they have dominated their opponents. They have, the, I think, the highest average scoring margin in the NFL right now. Yes, all their metrics look really good. But they have played week after week after week after week some just trash opponents. The combined record of the teams that they've beaten in their eight wins this season is 28 and 63. They have, yes, they've been beating up on them, but they have been playing bad teams. 
So I think they're I think they're a little bit overvalued right now. I don't think they're quite as good as a lot of their metrics say. Uh, next one, Lions Saints. It's an interesting one here. Uh, Saints getting four points at home. I'm going Lions, man. I think they cover too. Um, uh, the Saints week in and week out perpetually underwhelm. Like I, I think Dennis Allen probably is also on the chopping block, right? Um, there's talent on that team, a good amount of talent, and they just find ways to lose. They don't score points. Derek Carr has been horrendous. Um, Taysom Hill has been <laughs> pretty fun to watch on that team, honestly. They're actually getting him involved. Chris Olave's great. Um, Shahid at times looks good. But, man, they just perpetually underwhelm. Uh, yeah, I, I have issues with the Lions, though. Um, their defense is an issue. If their offense doesn't have an A-plus game, they, they, they're they in trouble. Uh, we saw it last week against the Packers. Jared Goff had a couple turnovers, and their defense couldn't keep them in the game, and then the score got two out of hand, and, and it was over. Uh, we almost saw it against the Bears two weeks ago. Um, luckily, their offense completely turned things around and caught fire, and the Bears are the Bears, so they ended up winning the game. But their defense is not going to – they have to, like, win shootouts to keep winning these games. Their defense is in the bottom half in basically every metric, 18th in opponent EPA, 24th in opponent success rate, 21st in opponent yards per play. So, yeah, if their offense fires on all cylinders, and they're going to be okay. But now, I mean, if there's one thing that we can say about the Saints is that they have a good defense, a top-10 defense. So um, their offense needs to bring their A game this week to, to win and cover in this one. And I don't know. I don't know. Jared Goff has started to turn the ball over, which is concerning. That's what I was going to say. Jared Goff, ever since he started to get a little careless with the rock, that's when the issues have started to arise. Again, they have great play calling with Ben Johnson. They got some really good weapons. They have a, an amazing offensive line. Just take care of the ball of Jared Goff, and that team will roll. Yeah. Um, 49ers Eagles game of the week. Uh, one of the best games of the year. Rematch of the NFC Championship from last year. Obviously, Brock Purdy got hurt very early in that game. So it wasn't a real true test uh, of how these teams match up with each other. Eagles, despite having the best record in the NFL by two games, um, underdogs at home, two and a half point underdogs, even up to three point underdogs at some sports books. It seems uh, like the Sharps, because I think it opened at one and a half. The Sharps have betted up to two and a half, three. Uh, do you agree with the Eagles being home underdogs? I guess because I'm going to go with the Niners. I'm surprised by that. Uh, I've been on the Eagles all season long. I think the Eagles are a very, very good team, and they definitely could win this game, obviously. But when I look at the matchup, I look at the match between the, the Eagles secondary, and I look at Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. I say that is not good for the Eagles secondary. It's a bad matchup. Again, if, if this is the NFC Championship game, this is bad for the Eagles. Because then the Eagles can beat almost any other team in the NFL, but against the Niners, it's just a bad matchup for them. Um they can kind of neutralize the pass rush with a decent offensive line. Again, it's not quite been as good as we all thought, right? Um, but they can neutralize it with Christian McCaffrey, right? What, what slows down a great pass rush? Running the football, screen passes, getting the running back involved, catching the ball. So I like the Niners in this game. Uh, I'm not saying the Eagles are a bad team. I know you, you, you're not a huge fan of the Eagles personally. I think they're a great team. I just think this is a bad matchup. So that's why I'm going with the Niners. Yeah, I, I'm going to stick to my Eagles take, even though last week, um, I mean, that game was a perfect example of how the Eagles and Bills have been performing in almost every game this season. The Bills, once again, deserved to win the game. They didn't. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. 
Eagles didn't deserve to win the game, found a way to win anyways. Um, so maybe the Eagles find a way to beat the 49ers again, but I just I think the Eagles are a good team, but not great. Uh, Bills missed two field goals. Uh, Bills had twice as many penalties as the Eagles. Uh, Eagles had a kick. I think that game-tying field goal by Jake Elliott is the greatest field goal kick of all time. In those conditions, they had a 59-yarder. is unbelievable. That was uh, absurd. They won an that was absurd. <laughs> the fact right. that he even got the ball there, the snap down, the long snap, like the snap to the, the, the holder, turning it around. I mean, all of that was incredible. I, that's not getting enough love. You know, I know everyone's talking, the Eagles beat the Bills. No, Jake Elliott put the team on his back there. And let's give the holder and the long snapper some credit because that was very difficult, all things considered. Yes, but it did show this Eagles team has uh, has some holes, and I think the 49ers roll. I think the 49ers might win by double digits. Mm. Yeah, you hear uh, that, Hunter? See, Hunter? I'm not a Niners hater over here. Uh, Chiefs-Packers. You like the Chiefs in this one, I see. <laughs> yeah, I love the Chiefs in this one. Uh, the Chiefs got right. They got right, man. Um, first quarter was one of the worst first quarters of football I have seen from, from the Chiefs. I, I said it reminded me of 2012 Chiefs. Like it did remind me of, of Matt Castle, of Brady Croyle, of Tyler Thigpen, of Damon Heward. Like it, it was just abysmal. The only thing the Chiefs could do right in the first quarter was punt the ball. Punter yeah. electric. I was sitting here going quick kick. Third down, just punt it. C- catch him off guard. But then they got right. And what they did was they took what was given. They didn't get too aggressive. They weren't trying to make too big of plays down the field. They ran the ball. The offensive line did their job. And for the most part, they caught the ball. They had a couple of penalties still. Juwan Taylor, Donovan Smith, that is what they like to do apparently. But it didn't kill them. And I I went back and said, how many games this year have I seen Mahomes not make a single throw that was not put in harm's way or a single a single game where he's not put the ball in harm's way this was it i think like like every single throw was smart it was the right read it was astute um he made two of the best throws i've seen this year by the way as, as well like just mahomesian throws which we have not seen from him seemed like they started to get their swagger back a little bit um man i think the chiefs roll and the defense also adjusted after the first quarter Devonte adams had zero zero catches in the second half. They had like 60 yards total. Um, yeah, Chiefs roll. Packers have got hot. Their offense has found an identity. Jordan Love seems like he's improving every single week as well. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked with any result in this game. It, it, can, just really quickly, I yeah. know what you're saying. I mean, any team has been hot. A.J. Brown had six straight games of 125 yards receiving. He had eight against Kansas City. You look at Tyreek Hill's numbers all season long. What game stands out for the most part against the Chiefs? Uh, Justin Jefferson obviously got injured in that game, but what happened before the injury? He was he was doing nothing. I mean, this Chiefs defense doesn't matter who you are. You think Christian Watson is going off? You think you think Reed is going off or Luke Musgrave? No, man. Like Jordan Love, that's great. Spagnuolo has been Michelangelo all season long. Everything he touches is a masterpiece. He's going to have Jordan Love seeing ghosts. Well, there are two ways to move the football down the field, Sterling, and one is running the football, and the Chiefs are not good at stopping the run. You can talk with their secondary all you want, and it's all very fair points, but they're one of the worst run defense in the NFL. Now, the Packers don't do a great job of running the ball, um, but they might be able to in this game. I, I I just don't again. I don't think it's a good matchup at all for the for the Green Bay Packers. Like I, I just think it's a horrible matchup. 
All right, not not a hill I'm I'm willing to die on. I do. I am taking the Packers to cover in that game, um, but not uh, one I'm super confident on. Uh, Monday Night Football: Bengals Jaguars. This would have been a uh, a very very fun game if Joe Burrow didn't get hurt. Now it's kind of a stinker. Jaguars eight and a half point favorites. Jaguars roll. Mm. Eight and a half, still a lot. I, I I know it's Jake Browning. The Bengals defense uh, is so bad, though. Yeah, man. Like if the I, Bengals had a good defense, I'd be like, yeah, they can do enough to stay in this game. But their defense is atrocious. Yeah, and I will say, as as hard as I've been on the Jack, just like for me, the eye test and the the analytical viewpoint of the offense, it's changed over the past few weeks. Like they've really impressed me. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll say they cover. Uh, I'll, I'll say they win by ten. I, I like the Jags in this one. Um, they are really starting to go on a roll, and things are starting to click on all cylinders for this team. Uh, let's wrap up with our picks for Week 13, as well as your Survivor pick. Uh, I'm ice cold in the show. 0-3 again, second straight week. I think I'm. I think the last three weeks on the show, I think I'm one and eight. Uh, it's been atrocious. Uh, overall, I actually had a good week. I went ten and six, but three of those six losses were the three picks I gave out on the show uh with um patriots minus three and a half against the giants i can't believe the patriots lost to tommy devito and the giants that was disgusting um field goal didn't go my way would have forced overtime um panthers titans over 37 was on pace and then just nobody scored like the last quarter and a half of the game uh so that didn't hit and then uh my upset was bills over eagles field goal went against me when jake elliott hit the greatest field goal in nfl history um and Tyler Bass or whoever the Bills kicker is went two and four. Sick to my stomach. That game made me. Uh, Sterling, another good week. Uh, one of the hottest betters in the world. You have fought your way. You have surpassed me now with your record. You are so far this season now uh, the better, better than I have in terms of the picks that we uh, have given out on the show. All the way up to 19 and 17 now above 500 going two and one this past week. Uh, you hit your spread bet. J- uh, Jaguars minus one against the Texans. Uh, that one started to look a little sketchy there at the end. That was another easy goal that went against me. That's 59 um, yards. Come on. Off the crossbar. That's not easy. Okay, but then the, the Eagles game of 59 <laughs> yards in bad weather was, was easy. Easily went through. Got <laughs> uh, some field goals were not my friends that was were not my friend this this past weekend. Uh your total bet hit Saints Falcons under 42 and a half. That was our that was easy. There. That that was child's play. Yes, uh, I can't believe that total was in the 40s. Uh, your upset pick did not hit this week uh, as Panthers over Titans. Yeah, Panthers I, went bold. I went bold and I uh, shouldn't have gotten bold. Uh, so let's go with, uh, let's see uh, what we can do this week. Week 13, uh, what is your favorite spread bet? Chargers, minus six versus the Patriots. I can't believe I'm rolling with the Chargers mm. all games, but the Patriots are a dumpster fire. Matt Jones is the worst quarterback in the NFL. I would take Tommy DeVito over him. Uh, Bailey Zappi, okay. He's always good for a little zap of electricity, and then he just fizzles out. Uh, That team's bad. They got no weapons. That's a bad team, man. That is a bad – if you lose to that Giants team – It's bad. That's bad, man. So give me the Chargers minus six. Although knowing the Chargers will find a way to lose this game. Yeah. I'm actually, I actually took the Patriots plus, I've got plus six and a half. It's that moved down half point to six, but uh, I hate that game. I hate everything about that game. Um, Mac Jones is a broken football player and I, I'm, I feel bad for him now. Um, but also 
I love that the Patriots are a dumpster fire. I've been waiting 20 years. I've been waiting 20, 25 years for the Patriots to be a complete dumpster fire, and we're experiencing uh, it this year. Uh, my favorite spread bet is the 49ers minus two and a half against the Eagles. I think they roll. We already talked about that game. I think they win by double digits. I think the Eagles finally, uh, their luck dries up. Mm. Uh, favorite total bet of the week. Um, uh, you you got your picks into the sheet before I did this week. Uh, so you, you took what I wanted to take. Yeah, Browns, Rams under 39 and a half. Uh, the Browns can't score and they have a great defense. That's all there is to it. Might be the best defense in the NFL and the worst offense in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, if this was 13-10, would you be surprised? Right. I, might be, I, I might be surprised at how high scoring that is. Right. I'm shocked this total is at 39.5. Like, Jets-Falcons is 34. I think there's a better chance of more points being scored in Jets-Falcons than Browns-Rams. It's because the Rams just came off 37-point game. And, yeah, but uh, Cardinals are, like, the worst defense. Yeah, I 100% so. agree, and so I, th- right. but I, think, I think that's why. Sure. Um. As as people who watch this may know, I bet on every single game every single week. That Browns Rams is actually my only total bet of the week. Uh, so since you claimed it first, uh, I'm not making this bet myself, but I got to make a total bet, and I can't steal the one you had. So if I had to make a second total bet, I would go Cardinals Steelers over forty and a half. Uh, we talked about how much improved the Steelers offense is. Only scored sixteen points last week, but they got a ton of yards if they can convert those yards into points. Especially now that they're taking on the worst defense in the NFL in the Cardinals. I think that uh, is huge towards the total and Kyler Murray and the Cardinals offense should be able to do enough to at least score some points, uh, even though the Steelers defense is pretty solid. So pretty low total 40 and a half. Uh, I would take the over in that one. Mm, Like it. Uh, Upset pick of the week. Uh, I will go first. It is a game we already talked about. I'm going to take the saints over the Lions. I'm just going to keep, I think the Lions are in the middle of a mid season slump. I think they get things back together by the time the playoffs get here, but their defense gives me a huge concern and the saints defense is inarguably better than the Lions defense. Now can the saints be competent on offense and score some points? Maybe hopefully for the sake of my bet. Um, also in the NFC South race, I would be happy if the saints lose this game, uh, but they are my upset pick of the week. So I went Broncos over Texans, which might be interesting because if you've listened to me all season long, I've been so high in the Texans. Even before the season started, I've been very high in the Texans and down on the Broncos. But again, last week I said I, th- I think the um, some of the numbers of the Texans they they were riding too hot, too close to the sun, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Jacksonville was getting getting right at the right time, and that's why I went Jacksonville last week. This week I, I don't think it's a great matchup. For, for C.J. Stroud, a rookie quarterback against what has become over the past few weeks one of the best defenses in football. Now, I understand C.J. Stroud's been electric. Here are some numbers of Stroud. 470 yards, 356, 336, 304. Now, um, he's also thrown five touchdowns, one, two, and two. That's just through the air. He's also had three touchdowns, uh, two touchdowns on the ground in that span. But he has six turnovers. And that's the issue. He, he's being asked to do a lot right now, which he's been up to the to the task for the most part. But when you look at those defenses he's faced, Tampa Bay's not very good. Cincinnati, not very good. Arizona is horrible. And then Jacksonville has been pretty solid. Denver's the best defense he's going to face. So for that reason alone, I love C.J. Stroud, right pick, all that stuff. I just don't like this matchup. I think Denver wins this game. Sean Payne's going to do enough to get by. Um, 
they take care of the football. And while, again, I don't think they're going to get two and a half, two and a half or 2.7 turnover margin better, they're going to win by three in this game. They'll at least have a one or two turnover margin in the Broncos' favor, and that will be enough. I'm on the Texans in that one, but not one that I feel confident one way or the other. So uh, no argument for me there. I was trying to sway you with my my argument there. I was, I was really trying my best. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, did, I, I don't know if this turnover margin is going to keep up. I know CJ Stroud has turned the ball over a bit lately, but I don't know. I don't know. You have no idea how hard it is for me to pick against a team that I am I rooted so hardly on the offseason mm. trying to tell people and everyone called me crazy. It's hard for me. All right. We'll see. Uh Survivor, Sterling, you are still alive in Survivor. I am um I can no longer afford Christmas presents for my family because all that money is now going towards buying you a prize for getting this deep in the Survivor pool. So uh you took the Chiefs this past week. Were you sweating at all when the Raiders got up 14-0? Oh yeah. Big time. Big uh, time. But regardless, they came back and they won by a million points. So you're now on to week 13. The teams you cannot use. And this list is starting to get pretty long. You cannot use the Commanders, the Bills, the Dolphins, the 49ers, the Lions, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Chargers, the Saints, uh, the Cowboys, Jaguars, or the Chiefs. Yeah. So if you've noticed, one team I still have available is the Eagles. The only bad part is they are playing the 49ers. So I cannot use the Eagles. So that leaves me with not great options. I originally left the Bengals as well because you know why? I thought, oh, great. I'll use the Bengals later on when Joe Burrow. Well, then, of course, he's out for the season. I'm like, oh, great. So now I don't get to use the Bengals. Um, There weren't many good options for me to use in this one. You know, do I go with the Steelers over the Cardinals? Uh, that was a real possibility, and that's probably the one that you would consider going with. But I went Buccaneers over the Panthers, and normally I go, you know, head coach just fired, the vibes are high, the team rallies around. But when you don't have any talent, I don't think it matters. I can't believe I'm picking the Buccaneers. This pains me. They're going to let me down. I'm going to lose this week. I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk it into existence, but also I feel very uncomfortable with this draft, with this uh, this pick right here. Yeah, this has got to be the most nervy pick uh, that you've had in, in a while. Even even though they are hosting the Panthers, um, it's always nervy when you got to take a bad team, no matter who they're playing in a survivor pool. So uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are five and a half point favorites at home to the Panthers. So based on the odds, they should win this game. But when you take bad teams, bad things happen. And I didn't want to take the Steelers because I think Arizona wins that game. Interesting. All right, we'll see. Buccaneers it is. Um, yeah, Sterling's a few weeks away from the house. Yeah, I really hope the Panthers pull off the upset because, yeah, uh, I might, yeah I'm, uh, I'm going to be buying you a house here soon if you make it all the way to the end. At least uh, a condo. At least yeah, a condo. At least a condo. <laughs> Uh, all right, that is our show. Thank you so much for watching. Um, if you're listening to the audio version of uh, this uh, show, this podcast, uh, stay stay tuned. Don't shut us off yet because I interviewed Hayden Hurst, tight end for the Panthers. Speaking of the Panthers. Tight end uh, for the Panthers. Um, I spoke to him this morning. The audio version of that interview will be coming up right after this on the audio version of the podcast. The uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, the video version of the interview will be up on YouTube uh, later this afternoon. So check that out. Uh, we talked about his uh, My Cleats, My Cause, the cleats he's going to be wearing uh, for the next two weeks in the NFL season. 
as well as his story. Great story. If, if you aren't aware, uh, actually, I recommend go reading his uh, Players Tribune article from a few years ago about the mental health struggles he struggled with uh, when he was in college and in the early parts of his career. Uh, and then also we ca- talked about uh, Bryce Young, um, Frank Reich being fired, and uh, him scoring a touchdown against my Falcons back in week one because uh, he is a former Falcon himself. Uh, so yeah, that's coming up right after this, the audio version. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, check out the stack in the box, YouTube channel. That interview will be up shortly. Uh, and sign up at sleeper daily fantasy. Um, get a first deposit match up to hundred dollars. Make sure you use the code fan sided two for watching this on YouTube. You can see it right up there. You can even just scan the QR code. Uh, it's that easy promo code fan sided two for sleeper daily fantasy sterling any final thoughts don't be sleeping on the missouri tigers baby ny6 coming your way that's what i'm talking about uh missouri basketball not too bad uh, to start things off either five and two no they're bad are they bad next year next year's a year next year's a year that's when all the recruits are coming in they have a top three recruiting class this year is a bunch of role players okay they, they did lose to jackson state so that's yeah it's not great yeah yeah, when Kobe Brown left, uh, yeah. All right, well, it's still football season. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you all so much for watching. Subscribe to Stack in the Box on YouTube. Rate and review the podcast. Leave a comment down below letting us know uh, your best bet for this week. Um, yeah, thank you all for watching. We'll be back next week for week 14 of the NFL season. Talk to you then. Hello, everyone. Ian McMillan here from Fanside. Joining me today, tight end for the Carolina Panthers, Hayden Hurst. Uh, and if the viewers don't know, for the next two weeks, uh, NFL players will be wearing customized cleats in honor of the causes they have chosen for My Cause, My Cleats. And Hayden, you have chosen uh, Face the Fight and your own foundation, the Hayden Hurst Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, man. So I'm honored. I teamed up with uh, USAA this year. I'm their official salute to service partner. And we're bringing awareness to mental health and suicide prevention by representing Face the Fight and my own family foundation as well. Um, Military ties kind of run deep in my family. You know, my dad's dad was a Marine sergeant. And then my mother's father was part of JAG in the Navy as well. And then I've got two good buddies who fly Blackhawks in the Army. So, you know, military roots kind of run deep in my family. Uh, and I know obviously you, uh, have kind of had a storied history, uh, with some mental health struggles yourself. Uh, I read your article from the players tribune, which is a pretty powerful piece back in 2020. Uh, I also reread it last night. Um, I want you to talk a little bit about that. Specifically, there was a line that stood out to me near, near the end of the article. That was, uh, there is so much strength in your weakness. Can you kind of expand on that and expand kind of, uh, on your history with mental health? Yeah, man, it's, uh. It's been a wild ride, you know, to get to where I'm at at 30 years old and six years in the NFL. You know, after I left high school, I went and played for the Pirates and, you know, had all sorts of, you know, unfortunately, mental health and um, and suicidal ideologies there. It just affected me on the field with performance anxiety and then unfortunately kind of carried over to my um, off the field life as well, where I started, you know, addiction stuff and, um, you know, alcoholism. So. It's been a it's been a hell of a ride to get to 30 years old, but you know I've got a great story to tell, and um, you know I've been going talking to schools and colleges and teams all over the country, and just kind of sharing my story and trying to help at least you know give someone somewhere you know some hope you know because I, I know what it's like to feel alone and to feel like you're in this fight by yourself, and it's really the opposite. You know I think so many people struggle with anxiety, depression, or suicidal ideologies. It just kind of varies from person to person. 
Yeah, and I think you play uh, uh, an important role in that, especially uh, you being a professional athlete, because I think there is always kind of that stigma, professional athletes, you know, being tough means, you know, you don't, you just kind of tough it up and you don't kind of talk about that stuff. So I think you yep. talking about it has, has kind of shined a pretty bright light on it. Um, when you were going through this, uh, when you were an athlete, when, when you were playing baseball, did you feel any kind of extra burden or maybe uh, some shame because of that, just because you were an athlete, did you feel kind of any extra pressure because of that to kind of not speak up about the issues you're, uh, uh, dealing with? Yeah, absolutely. I think you kind of nailed it when you said, you know, we're these athletes, we're on TV, we're supposed to be these rough, tough nothing affects us. We just go perform on whatever our game day is, whether it's, you know, Thursday, Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, you know, we're just these like modern day gladiators, if you will, that aren't affected by anything when, um, you know, really it's the exact opposite, you know, this life in the NFL isn't easy. Um, life just in general isn't, isn't easy. You know, it throws you curveballs. you know, traumas happen. Um, but you know, I, like I said, I'm six years in the NFL and I still wake up and have my days where I feel off. Um, but luckily I've got my family, I've got my fiance, um, to fall back on, you know, and, and you really just have to have those things, those tools in your toolbox, so to speak, to fall back on, you know, when, when things happen, because unfortunately life happens. Do you think stigma, the stigma is improving at all with the younger generation of athletes, uh, even in the NFL now, like you said, six years, uh, you've seen a little bit of turnover. Um, do you think the younger generation that's coming up and coming through the college ranks, there's less of a stigma about mental health. Have you even felt any change in the locker room through years in the NFL and kind of how that's handled and uh, how people kind of deal with uh, the struggles that they're going through? Yeah, definitely. In my first few years in the league um, wasn't talked about as much. Um, I know I was kind of given some advice when I was first coming out to, to keep my story hush hush, so to speak, you know, going through the draft process where they, they try to find anything and everything. Um, so I was advised to kind of keep quiet for a little while. Um, and then I kind of got to the point where, you know, I, I always kind of say this and talk about it. It's not from a place of arrogance, but I just kind of got to a point where I don't really care what people think about me. Um, you know, I've got a, a great story to tell. And I know after doing these talks at schools, I've had, I've had kids come up to me and say, Hey man, because of what you shared and, and your story, like I've decided not to take my life or something like that. And then like, Having those types of reactions, I mean, that's why I do it, man. That's why I get up here and talk. That's why I've continued to share my story, even though it's not easy. You know, I, I get anxiety before I go on and do things and talk to people and, and share my most intimate secrets. So, um, yeah, it's it's really it's therapeutic for me to get up here and talk about it and share my story because so many people can relate to it. Yeah, it's powerful stuff, man. Um, now, I do need to ask you a couple of questions about football here before I let you go. Um, obviously. <laughs> Obviously, the big uh, news this week, uh, Frank Reich uh, released as head coach. What are the general vibes in the locker room right now? And what kind of struggles does a member of a football team go through when the head coach gets released midseason? Yeah, I mean, it's um, I don't think any of us in that building really dreamed up being one in 10 after, you know, 11 weeks in the NFL. Uh, it's It's been a tough year in that building. Um Frank is a great guy he's got a great message, um, very spiritual guy. And uh, it's just unfortunate that it hasn't led to wins and losses because in this league, man, it's a meritocracy. And it's, it's what have you done for me lately? And, um, you know, we wish Frank the best. You know, he was an awesome guy. Uh, just unfortunately, it didn't translate into wins and losses. So maybe getting a new voice in there uh, will kind of help us, you know, down the stretch here. Maybe, you know, pile some wins heading into the offseason and just try to find some positives. 
Uh, talk to me a little bit about Bryce Young. Uh, is there anything that you've seen in his development so far this season? Maybe something that we're not seeing uh, when we just, as fans, tune in on Sundays. Maybe it's something in the locker room and kind of how he handles himself. <laughs> is it, it, it Kind of talk to me about his development through the first 12 weeks of his rookie season. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's um, not the year that any of us really dreamed up. I'm, I'm sure Bryce can say that for himself. You know, it's not really the the rookie year that, he could have imagined, but you know, it's a situation that we're in. Uh, the one thing I can say about Bryce is he's the same guy week to week. You know, he's obviously, you know, we see what happens on Sundays, kind of taking his lumps with the pressures and the sacks and things like that. Um, I know for one thing, we can be better around him as an offensive unit. And that includes myself, you know, just playing better football, more sound football, just keeping him upright. Um, Cause I know playing tight end is pretty damn hard in the NFL. I can't imagine playing quarterback in the NFL, especially being a rookie. Um, just all sorts of added pressures. But the one thing I'll say about Bryce is no matter what the score is, no matter how many times he was sacked or picks or whatever it may have been, he shows up ready to work on Mondays. He's trying to get it figured out. He's trying to fix it. He's not feeling sorry for himself. Um, that is the one, the one positive thing that I can say. Um, and I think really everybody needs to do that. Myself included, get back in there, watch the tape, just focus on being a better player. You know, we're not not playing for much at one and 10, except for your pride. So go in there and get it fixed. And again, that includes myself Go in there and get things fixed and kind of get this thing rolling. Uh, now let's end off here on, on something positive. Um, and that is, yeah, Hey, I don't know. I don't know if you can see behind me, I got a Falcons helmet behind me. I am a Falcons mm-hmm. fan. You are a former member of the Falcons uh, week one touchdown uh, against uh, the Falcons. Was that one a little extra special for you? Yeah, I was pretty fired up for that one. Uh, to the point where I forgot it was Bryce's first touchdown pass, but oh, uh, I was right. just so yes. happy to score against my old team. Uh, I didn't really even think about that, but luckily, luckily uh, the fan that I threw it towards or at, uh, he didn't take too kindly to it and threw it right back. So I guess the joke's on him could have gotten like tickets or something out of it, but he, <laughs> he decided to boo me and throw it back at me. So we got it for Bryce. So all, all is well. That's hilarious. Well, if there's one member yeah. of the Panthers that uh, I'll cheer for when they score against uh, my Falcons, it's you. Um, it, it, let the people know, is there anywhere that they can find more information, both uh, for face the fight and for your own foundation as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if you find more info on we face uh, you can also go to Hayden Hurst family um, All the information, all the links are on there. You can go on my Instagram page, uh, see the round table talk, you know, USA, USA round table talk that I did with uh, Bernard Hines and Melissa Lopez. Great talk, great conversation, got to share our stories. And again, man, whatever I can do, whatever link you can click on to continue the story, continue the conversation. Um, if you, if you feel moved by it, you know, go check it out. Yeah. And in that video as well, uh, your Instagram, uh, Hayden, uh, our Hearst, uh, you get to, uh, get to take a look at what the cleats look like, which are pretty nice looking. I got it. I got to admit. Oh, you have them right there. Perfect. Beautiful. Sneak peek. Sneak peek. That's the right one. And we got the names of everybody on there. Very cool. Really cool for me. I'll show you the other one real quick. It's kind of got all the digital camo of, you know, Atlanta, Cincinnati, and we got the blue. The Ravens, so they're cool, oh, man. Awesome. Uh, they represent a lot more than just myself. You know, I got a lot of people on these cleats. It means a lot to me. So excited to wear them and show them off, man. It's gonna be really cool. Great stuff. Thank you so much for the time, Hayden. Uh, take care and best of luck the rest of the season.